0: This, you will be moving from dwelling together in a house to living together in a home as the family God intended, the family of God. Can you go ahead and cut the monitors out? I think that's what's causing the feedback. Today's message is titled, Family First. Making your house a home. Psychology Today asks the question, what makes a house a home? A straw poll of friends threw up similar themes. It holds all my favorite things and my favorite person in one place. It's about having cool, smooth sheets, but also feeling comfortable enough to make a mess. It's the place I retreat to for peace from this frantic bossy outside world. It's where I can spend the whole day in my pajamas watching I Love Lucy if I so choose. At its core, the idea of what makes a house a home is rather primitive. The notion of home is about the place you feel safe and where you feel connected to other people. You like, says one psychologist. It's built in us to find a safe place, to keep warm, somewhere to gather, to eat together, and to raise a family. It's built in us to have a home. Good Housekeeping wrote an article called 13 Things That Make a House a Home. Now, I'm just going to read some of them to you with, of course, uh, my own embellished explanations with them. One of the things they say is the noise or even the lack thereof. You see, the sounds of a home are always soothing, soothing but your house can feel empty without them. Then sometimes there's that blissful silence that can fill your home with peace. Another thing is the rituals inside that only your family knows about. The Saturday movie night, Taco Tuesday, or my favorite, the no-nos goes at the family mealtime prayer. The smells of good food cooking. I don't even have to explain that one. Just close your eyes and think for a second. I can almost smell it now. The dings, scratches, and flaws. And that's okay because a perfect house is just staged anyway. It's an empty showroom where no one actually lives. But you, however, you work hard, you play hard, and your house shows it. And that's okay. The collections you've built and the memories attached to them. The blanket that you picked up in Mexico for $5 on that missions trip. That old lamp that you picked up at your uncle's farm when you were visiting last. Or that dresser in the spare room that's been handed down generation after generation in your family. You see... These objects root your home in the past while making new stories in your present. Another thing that makes your house a home is never having to wear real clothes. And, men, I said real clothes. You have to wear clothes. But never having to wear real clothes. The moment you walk through the door, you make like Mr. Rogers and start putting on your comfies getting on that little sweater, slipping on those little, no, comfies. But the number one thing that makes your house a home is the people inside. We must start with our family first when we're professing, not just professing our faith, but living our faith. Your home needs to be a refuge from the world. A haven of peace and rest. A place to be refreshed and feel revived. If you can't get this at home, where else can you find it? We did a country theme this morning, like that old country song, Looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? I don't even like country music. But... Really, if you can't find peace, comfort, encouragement, feel loved at home, where are you going to find it? In all the wrong places. I tell my kids all the time, our home is where you should feel loved the most, comfortable enough to make mistakes, and confident enough to try anything. Except jumping off the roof with a blanket. It is not a parachute. I raised five boys still working to keep these last two alive. So, Jesus comes soon. Like the early disciples in Acts 2, to see the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, there has to be the one accord in your home. It's not just a house. You need to do more than profess your faith. You need to live out your faith, starting with your family first. So turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. I want to read just a part of what we see. Those early disciples truly living out. They're our example of a family unit. They're an example of how the family of God should be operating. So let's look at that together. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Next, chapter 2, starting down at verse 42. It said, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which today is Communion Sunday, and to prayer. and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The early believers are the ultimate example of a family unit, living out their faith together in one accord. They learned together, ate together, worshiped together, ate together, ate together, worshiped together, and ate together. They cared for one another. They shared everything. And what was the results? Miraculous signs and wonders. And, and the Lord added to the fellowship daily. I want to hear of people being led to the Lord by you daily, daily, because we're in one accord. You're in one accord at your house. You're in one accord when you come together with the family of God. We're sharing everything. We're eating together. We're eating together. We're worshiping together and eating together. You can't tell I'm hungry, right? No, okay. It's harder for us, though, as Christians today to live in one accord as a family of God because we're used to doing church here and then going home and living life there. See, it's compartmentalizing is what's happened. We are one way when we're with these people. We're one way when we're with these people. We're one way when we're at church. We're one way when we're at home. And really, if you look at the early church, they were the same way wherever they went. They were in one accord wherever they were. They ate together. They worshiped together. They, they searched the scriptures together. They went to church together. They went outside the church. They doing business together. But they were all still in one accord. I like that you over and over again we was encouraged in worship to break down the walls. Because that's what we've done. We've built walls around our church family. We've built walls around our family. We've built walls around our work family. We've even built walls around our car. That's why I ride a motorcycle. There's no walls. No, I'm just kidding. I just like riding. So instead of... Doing church here and then going home and living life there, I want to encourage you to live life here. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That's life. So do life here and there and there and there and wherever you go, but in one accord, sharing everything in common. That's when we'll see the results. So, what do we need to change? There's three little things that will make a huge difference to turn your house into a home. To begin first with your family believe the best in each other, forgive fast, and be who you want them to become. So, let's look at that real fast. Number one, believe the best. them, When there's a lack of communication, you will either place doubt or trust in that empty space. Let me say that again. When there's a lack of communication, you will either place doubt or trust in that empty space. Let me give you an example. We're just picking on Pastor Denny today, right? We had a meeting. Our first CAG meeting was... Yesterday, we did, at the end of that, the ministry head sat down here, had a meeting. If during that meeting, Pastor Denny would have come in, I'm noticing he's an hour and a half late. But I'm speaking. He slips in, sits in the back row of our meeting of a small amount of people. While I'm standing up here, what's happening? I have a lack of communication. Why in the world did he come in late? He knew about the meeting. So now my assumption can either place doubt or trust within that lack of communication. I can stand up here, and because I don't know there's a lack of communication, why you came in late, Denny, I can say, stinker, he knew the meaning, he don't respect me, he don't care what I have to say, he thinks he knows it all, and I can just throw that empty space full of doubts. Or I can say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know why he came in late. Hope everything was all right. I don't know, so I'm going to trust that he's going to tell me afterward and everything's going to be okay. I'm going to let you think about that a second. Because in any area, whether it's at work, at school, in your family, with a brother, sister, with a friend, there's going to be moments where you have lack of communication. And in that empty space, you choose to place doubt there or trust there. If we want to turn our house into a home, we need to number one, believe the best in each one of them. So whenever there's a lack of communication, I'm going to insert trust. I don't know But I trust them. I love them. I'm going to believe the best for them. And they'll explain it to me. I'm not going to wait for them. I'm going to probably go right up to Denny after the meeting and say, was everything okay, brother? I noticed you came in late. Is everything all right? Instead of walking away, well, if he don't respect me, I don't respect him. I'm just going to leave. I will choose to believe the best. And place in that empty space of lack of communication, trust. Build each other up. Be each other's shield. As a matter of fact, if you're a husband and wife, be each other's armor bearer. That means when you're feeling weak, it's okay, baby, I got your back. I'm going to go before. I'm going to take down some of the enemy for you. And then when I get tired, you go ahead. You go ahead. We'll be each other's armor bearer. Parents to their children. Children to your older parents. Honor your father and mother. Or your day's going to be short and cursed. Oh, no, okay. Anyway. (laughs) Believe the best. And don't be defensive. Defensive. Don't be defensive when somebody has to say something to you. When somebody is believing the best for you, they're also going to have to encourage you once in a while to, well, you're not stupid. What you did wasn't the smartest. But don't be defensive about it. Be on the offense against offense. Be on the offense against offense. Don't get offended with every little word of encouragement. Take it and realize they want the best for you. They're believing the best for you. So they're going to pray and help you be the best. A peaceful heart, Proverbs 14.30 says, leads to a healthy body. But jealousy is like cancer in the bones. The Amplified Bible says it this way. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, wrath are like rottenness within the bones. Your house needs to be a home of peace. I believe the best for each other. Number two, forgive fast. I'm going to give a little more marital advice on this. Forgive fast. Men, let me just speak to you for a second. You have to find a healthy balance between asking for forgiveness too fast and waiting too long. Now, I'm saying you can't ask too fast because while she's explaining how whatever made her feel don't jump ahead of her or interrupt her and say all right i'm sorry forgive me because it won't go well she wants you to realize how that made her feel so listen to how it made her feel i understand is a good word to say during those times smiling and nodding yes i understand Then at the end of that, then you can say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. The healthy balance, don't wait too long, though, to ask for forgiveness. Or she will, trust me, she will find many more things that you need to ask for forgiveness over if you wait too long. So ask for forgiveness fast. Not too fast. Not too long. And now women... You need to ask forgiveness fast. Because if you wait, they will have, and trust me, they will forget what the whole argument was about anyway. They've sat down, they've watched ESPN, it's all over. What? What thing? Three days ago, don't you remember? Nope. They don't. Really, it's okay. That's just, that's good. They just, things just roll right off. That's good. So we're going to need to have to ask forgiveness fast. Don't wait. Don't wait. And one more little nugget. When you do, husbands and wives, sorry, husband and wife, when you do ask for forgiveness over, insert whatever, on this blank line here, forgiven things are off limits. Never to be brought up again. That's not fair. Because if you truly ask for forgiveness for something, doesn't it go under the blood? And if it goes under the blood, who are you to go back to that and pull it back up again and shake it in their face? Forgiven things are off limits. Okay? So in your marriage, and I know women, it's easier for us to remember everything. Forget it. When it's asked for forgiveness, forget it. And it's okay to ask God, help me forget those things that we've already worked through. Or else you'll be on this crazy cycle that just keeps going and going and going because you constantly are pulling that thing back up again. Okay? So forgiven things are off limits. And really the only explanation here to make your house a home and forgiving fast is the scripture, it's read in my Bible... Red words in my Bible means Jesus is saying this, right? In Matthew, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, but but if you refuse to forgive others, our heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. I'm sorry, but I don't know when Jesus is coming back. And knowing my luck, if I try to hold on to anything, because I'm going to make him pay, Jesus is going to come back. I'm going to stand before God and he's like, why couldn't you forgive him? How can I forgive you? You couldn't even forgive him. So forgive fast means forgive fast. You don't know if that's going to be your last fight. Forgive fast. Or your Heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And number three, be who you want them to become. Your kids don't just need your prayers and accolades. They need to see you being who you want them to become. Husbands, you wish your wife would do more things like, that you like to do? Well, do more things that she likes to do. Wives, if you want to cuddle with your husband, don't wait for him to come sit by you on the couch. Go cuddle with him. If you are tired that you've worked at the same job for 15 years and your boss has never said one good thing about you, start saying some good things about your boss. It's not just what happens in the home. We're talking about the family of God. So it applies everywhere. It applies at the gas station. It applies at the grocery store. It applies at the teller in the bank that you're upset with. And that's another thing. I can assure you she's not the one that wrote the rules that you're upset with. So be kind. Because you want to receive kindness back. Be who you want them to become. Show them. Lead by example. You cannot control their actions. You can, however, control yours. So if you're mad and sad or depressed because you're having rotten days over and over and over again... Start having some good ones. Well, Brenda, you don't know what I go through. No, but you can't control what you're going through. Obviously, if we're talking situations, circumstances, and other people, you can't control that. But you can control yourself. I mean, my favorite song is It Is Well With My Soul. I mean, the history, and I just chose not to play it this morning because I'd ball like a baby. Because the story behind that song, that man lost everything, his entire family. And he gets in the boat, and as he's crossing over the place where the last of his family members drowned, he penned the song, It is well with my soul. You have taught me to say, because I don't feel it, I don't feel like everything's beautiful, but you have taught me to say it is well with my soul. I can control my own actions, and I will proclaim Jesus is king. God is good. I don't have to be going through flowery times in my life and, you know, everybody's singing my praises. For me to finally praise God, that doesn't make sense. You don't have to have a good home only when your home is going good. Even in the bad times, even in the dark times, even in the lack of things, it is well with my soul. I can have good days through the bad days because I can control my own actions. Be who you want them to become. Let me close by reading Romans 12 to you. Romans chapter 12 it talks about our responsibility. I like this scripture. This chapter talks about your responsibility, not others. Because, boy, can we come up with a bucket load of excuses of why we are the way we are. But truly, it's our choice. A living sacrifice to God, Romans 12 starts out. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. We are God's family. In his grace, God has given us a different gifts. Given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it kindly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people like myself. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's our responsibility. That's how we will live in one accord. That's how you're going to turn your house into a home which will turn this house of God into the home of God because the family of God dwells here, but not just here. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, and we will see the results. We will see miraculous signs and wonders, and people will be added daily to our fellowship. Start living the faith you profess. Starting with your family first by doing these three simple things. Believe the best in each other, forgive fast, and be who you want them to become. Oswald Chambers says, If we really believed that God meant what he said, just imagine what we would be like. Do I really dare to let God be to me all that he says he will be? With your, all your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want us to soak in that word for a few minutes. I want to ask you a couple questions. If your family has been living in something other than one accord, would you just slip up your hand because I want to pray for you. I see your hands. I see your hands. If you know you have awe against another family member or coworker or church member, whatever it was, whether it was your fault or not, would you just slip up your hand? If you need to come home to a relationship with God, whether it's your first time or your 40th time, would you just slip up your hand? I see your hands. Yeah. God, you see all the hands. God, you see the... The pain that's associated behind every hand. God, and in our pain, you've created promises. And your promises are yes and amen. Yes, God is bigger than your problem. Yes, God can heal every pain. Yes, Jesus paid for all your sins. And yes, God stands the doorway of his house waiting to welcome you back in, whether it's the first time or the 40th time to the family of God. God, I just pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit would go through every family member, every person here, God, and begin to heal those hearts, mend those wounds, and restore those broken relationships. God, that these houses would not just be a place of dwelling, but they would be a place where your Holy Spirit dwells, and that house will become a home because they live in one accord. They'll believe the best in each other. They'll forgive fast. And they will be who they want others to become. God, we know our responsibility in that now. And we choose to walk in that. That we can't control our situations. We can't control things around us. We can't even control the actions of other people. But we can control how we live and how we act. And God, we take that responsibility seriously. Today, God, we want to recommit our lives to living as Christians. Little Christ's that are pleasing to you. That not only will our actions or things that we say profess your goodness, but our actions will profess your goodness. Our thoughts will profess goodness your goodness. Our hearts, our hearts will be wellsprings of your goodness. And God, our families will not just be families in our homes, but will be families of God representing the family of God wherever we go, wherever we go. And right now, if you lifted up your hand and you said, Brenda, today's the day I- I'm ready to come back home. I want to begin a new relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's simple. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you for, to forgive my sins. I accept the penalty Jesus paid for me. And today I commit my life to live for you with all my heart all my mind all my soul and all my strength I give all the glory to you Holy Spirit I just ask right now that you just begin to fill their hearts Fill their hearts. Fill their minds. Fill them with your power to be your witnesses. If you started a new relationship or rededicated a relationship to God today, tell someone before you leave. The sooner you can tell somebody that you did that, the sooner you put the enemy under your feet. Because he will begin to attack your mind. Oh, that was a good message. Oh, that was a nice prayer. But put the enemy under your feet. And if you have, uh, if there's something going on, whether it's a family member or a friend or a cousin or a co-worker, we read the scriptures that if you don't forgive them, God can't forgive you. So it's not enough just to ask God to forgive you. (laughs) As much as we want to believe that's all we'd have to do. We need to go make it right. We need to go talk to those people. We need to ask their forgiveness. Then together, ask God's forgiveness. Today is communion, and so before we go on any farther, I just want to ask the ushers to come up. And start handing out the, the um, emblems, the symbols we have here. The Lord's Supper is a time once a month. Go ahead, guys. You can start passing it out. That the church remembers, corporately remembers, the sacrifice that Jesus paid. The night that he was betrayed, when he sat down with his disciples, he knew what was about ready to happen, and he wanted to eat with them. He wanted to share with them in symbols what was about to happen. And so he took these elements that he had at the table, this bread, this wine, and he showed them what was about to happen, the sacrifice that was about to be made. And in the church, really, there's only one requirement to taking the Lord's Supper, and it's that you have a relationship with God. And we've already asked, but even if you miss that opportunity, and Brenda, I wanted to come into the family, I wanted to start that relationship, but I forgot. You go ahead. It's just between you and God. No pastor, no preacher, no priest needs to take you into the throne room of God and make things right with God. It's just you and Him. So you can do that right in your seat. Just going to wait a couple minutes. So if you just in the quietness of your seat as the ushers are handing out these symbols, just search your heart. Continue to just let this message sink in. Recommit passion to God again. Recommit your passion to your family again. Recommit to living out the purpose and the plan that God has for your life again. Communion is such It's hard to even describe. The closest I can get to it, because I'm a mom, is to think about my relationship with my kids. And if one of them, if I had to give up one of them, to die on a cross, but not just die on a cross, but to go through the pain, the torment, the torture, the whips, the mocking, than to be nailed to a cross, not for sins that he's done, but to do that for the sins of those who don't even like him. To remember that sacrifice, it just is speechless. Speechless. And so once a month, we take the Lord's Supper, we take communion to pause and remember that sacrifice that our Heavenly Father gave His one and only Son while we were still sinners to die for us. So allow me to read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's explained this way. Beginning in verse 23. He says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself and pass them now on to you. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he took the bread, gave thanks to God. He broke it and he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Come on guys, do this. And remember me every time you do this. What I'm about ready to do for you is to lay my life down. So God, we just thank you right now that you not only offered up one of your sons, you offered your one and only son. And Jesus, right now, we remember your sacrifice We remember your broken body and as the scripture was read earlier that every whip on your back seals our healing, covers our wounds, mends our brokenness. We thank you for the sacrifice that you laid down your body for us and we remember you right now. Let's take this all together. He goes on to say, after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, he said. My new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. Jesus, we lift our cups to you right now. As a symbol of the blood that was poured out for all of our sins there's not one thing we can do wrong not one thing we can do wrong that is not covered under this blood all we have to do is ask for your forgiveness and it's there you've already paid it and today we remember you remember the sacrifice and we thank you and you said that this is now a symbol of the new covenant the new covenant you even went on to say, I'm not even going to drink of this again until we drink it together in heaven. And so also right now we remember there's a day coming and we'll sit down and see you face to face, Jesus. And we look forward to it. Give us strength now today to honor your sacrifice and everything we say, think and do. We give all glory to you. Let's take this together. writer goes on to say what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup you reenact in your words and actions the death of our master you will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns so you must never let familiarity breed contempt that means don't just go through the motions keep the reason for his death as your focus in everything you do. God, we just give you all the glory. We thank you for this word given today. We thank you for the hearts and the pain that's been healed today, for the relationships that have been mended today. God, for the new lives that were added today into the fellowship. Thank you, God, for everything. And I don't Feel right in closing out too soon. If you have time, you can stay. Amy, if you could just lead us in worship, I want to open up the altars for you to feel comfortable to come up. Just worship before you go. Maybe you need to come up front and just get on your face before God to recommit. Maybe you need to go across the room and make something right with somebody else before you leave today. Maybe it's... A brother and a sister, and you just need to get alone here in the sanctuary before you even leave today. So why don't you stand up? Let's just close out these last few minutes together in worship. We can't get All this is for you. Jesus, we love you, and we'll never stop. Hey